This is CliffCentral.com. Please note that the views expressed and the advice provided in this show are for general advice and entertainment purposes only. Nothing stated should be treated as a substitute for your own independent legal advice based on your own specific facts and objectives. Therefore, the presenter and CliffCentral.com accept no liability of any nature whatsoever, either expressed or implied. Law, like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg on CliffCentral.com. I'm Gary Hertzberg and this is The Laws of Life on CliffCentral.com. Alongside me today, Lionel Makokotlela. Lionel, welcome to you, Lions. <laughs> Thank you so much, Gary. Thank you to our podcasters for joining us today. <laughs> Lions, today's show is about absenteeism and abuse of sick leave, which is a very common problem, as you well know. And I don't think you've got that problem with me, right? No, no you, you're quite regular. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Some of the questions we're going to be tackling today are things like this lines. How do you deal with those Friday and Monday duckers and divers? <laughs> yeah. Those are very common. <laughs> uh, how do you handle funny medical certificates? We see them all over the place. Oh, actually, those are for sale. Mm. Weird. Yeah. And what happens if you see an employee who claims to be sick and then he's out and about with a smile on his face looking as bright as ever? Truth is that uh, research indicates that on any one day, 15% of our workforce is absent. Yeah, no, that's a quite serious one. Yeah. Mm. The cost in terms of lost production, staff morale and discipline is huge, as you can well imagine. Yeah, no, but life, it's really a S-H-I-T sometimes. Yep. Yeah. Lines, another major concern in our country is dodgy sick notes. Something like this. Dear sir, I write this note to you to tell you of me plight. And at the time of writing, I am not a pretty sight. Me body is all black and blue, me face a deathly grey. And I write this note to say why Paddy's not at work today. <laughs> that's how it's done in Ireland. Oh my goodness! Where did you get this music, yeah, Gary? Uh, we're going to wish at uh, very top of the top of the day to uh, someone who's funny, serious, and brilliant. It's labour expert, economist Andrew Levy. Very warm welcome to you, Andrew. Hi, Gary. Hi, Lines, and uh, everyone who's listening by way of their pods or their casts or whatever they're listening. This is a great experience, and it's terrific to be here. Oh, this is words. the voice of Andrew Levy. Yeah, that voice. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you all about Andrew. He's from andrewlevy.co.za. He's, in my view, the leading uh, labor economist, labor expert, labor everything in South Africa, and he's acknowledged to be so. Um, Do you mean he, even the other labor? Like, uh, well, not giving labor lines. Oh. Uh, there's, there's only one Andrew Levy, as they say. Andrew, you ran the 702 labor line 
for many, many years on 702, as I said. I did, Gary, and it was a huge amount of fun. It was quite pioneering at the time. It was the first of the 702 phone-in programs. Um, John Burks got it going, who's very much a doyen of broadcasting in this country. And from that, we followed with uh, the second one, which was uh, Prof. Heri, Stop Smoking Zeftel. Um, Stop Smoking. Stop Smoking, yeah. Yeah. And uh, he did it. And that gradually expanded into their sort of five-day service Mm. of uh, the helpline and call in if your ingrown toenails are, you know, stabbing you in the knee every time you (laughs) go on your knees to your boss to get an increase and and things like that. So it really was, it was a lot of fun. But like all of things, it kind of goes on and goes on, uh, sometimes too long and it becomes stage where it's time to move on and try and do something else but it's wonderful a to be back in the studio and b to be talking about labor i remember andrew listening to you for 13 years i think it was every yep. monday night uh, there right. were tons of callers i think uh, the wait was what 30 40 minutes to it, get it could you. well have been it was yeah. a very very popular program yeah. Yeah. and people would sometimes complain that they'd wait almost the whole show and then they wouldn't deal with them yeah. and somehow they'd find my number in the phone book or or probably call you gary and you'd yeah. give it to them Mm-hmm. And for the rest of the week, they'd be phoning me night and day to yeah. uh, uh, resolve their, their kind of problems. But uh, as I say, those were the early days. And we went through with um, a lot of the names which are, I won't say history, but certainly part of the story of broadcasting, mm-hmm. John Burks, John Robbie, David O'Sullivan, uh, and uh, so many people like that. Those were good times in 702. Yeah, those were those shows were the forerunners, I think, of, of talk radio, weren't they? They were indeed. Absolutely. It, it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there was the labor line, the, the medical line. What yeah. else? Do you remember what else they had? Um, there the was one on pension. Um, yeah, there was one on pensions, providence, and investment, uh. which I think Brian Hirsch used to run. Yeah. Um, I think there was one on a general legal sort of theme, anything except labor, mm-hmm. which included I'm behind with the rent and I've got this funny notice saying get out of here yes. uh, and stuff like that. There was one yeah. of those yeah. and, and a couple of others. The presenters came and went, but uh, me and Johnny Walker, born 1827, <laughs> and we're still going strong. Yeah, this is the new way to do it, uh, Andrew. I'm, this is I'm the astounded. podcasting. Yeah. I'm absolutely People astounded. don't phone in, but we take we, – we, in collaboration with Legal Talk South Africa, they have 180-plus thousand people. Well, I am absolutely And their stunned. questions come through, and then we pick yeah. them up here, and we deal with it, so we're going to deal with I some mean, of those. I mean, the only person yeah. who ever listened to my show regularly was my mother. <laughs> uh, anybody else who found it by mistake would switch it off or change to another yeah, channel. Yeah, that's not uh, so But, true. I mean, that is astounding. It is. Yeah. It really uh, is. Yeah, we, uh, we are the forerunners of... Uh, Internet radio, I believe, podcasting, the best. Not yeah, well, I mean, no question. Right now, we're the leaders. Yeah. Yeah. And that's our, we have great management, as you know. You've met them before sure. you came to studio. Rena Brumberg, who was well, no, well, 702. Rena, she was at 702 when I started. Yeah, she, yeah and she and started course, 702 yeah. as well. Yeah. And, of course, uh, Gareth Cliff, uh, uh, who was something of the, uh, you know, the problem child there, the enfant <laughs> terrible. Yes. He was always putting his foot He's to other parts like, of his yeah. anatomy into it. Uh, and um, I would have to give him the odd bit of labor advice from time to time when they yeah. wanted to fire him yet again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's lovely to see because Gareth is a South African institution. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he really is. So, I mean, Do you know his Twitter, Twitter, Twitter following is amazing. It's yeah. over 1.2 million or something. What? 1.2 yeah. million? Garrett's personal Twitter following. When he opens his mouth, 1.2 million people plus. I must have a word for him yeah, and see how yeah, it's done. Yeah, it's amazing. Other, other than well, my mother, yeah. <laughs> nobody follows me. Right. <laughs>
Yeah, if you deduct his mother, it's one point one one point one nine 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 nine. Yeah, exactly. Let's talk. Uh, give out our details, Andrew. Um, our lines our Twitter handle. It's at Hetzlaw H E R T Z L A W. You can actually just give us any topic that you'd like us to talk about, and we'll get a legend just like we've got today, and they will make it a point that they break down the subject matter. Our Facebook page, the uh, Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg. And Lionel always says, take a look and give us a like. Yes, no, certainly. And you can always uh, uh, send us a message and tell us what your problem is. And we'll get a specialist who deals with that specific uh, area of law. And they'll break it down just so that you get to understand the nitty-gritty of it. Andrew, the, uh, today's topic is, is, is a serious problem in the workplace. Absenteeism and phony uh, certificates, medical certificates, and when you need one and what sick leave is and when people yes. should... Uh, when employers should pay you and when you're not entitled to be yeah. paid. Maybe we can just quickly, let's deal with the serious part first. Let's take a look at the Act, uh, Section 22 of the Act, and, and talk to us about what sick leave is in terms of the law. Okay, well, Gary, firstly, the law recognizes that uh, people are human, which is, of course, something that most employers don't recognize. And being human, they like all humankind, they may become sick from time to time. Now, in the old days, you were sick. That was it. You got no income, uh, and you may have got back to work and found that you had no job. But round about the turn of the last century, people began to change their approach, and so most civilized democratic countries provided for sick leave. Now, one of the difficulties with sick leave is that the employer has to pay. Government doesn't pay. The employer has to pay. And, of course, that gives the employer a pain in the wallet. Now, the basic scheme is simply this. Sick leave runs over a three-year cycle. Why? Because nothing may happen to you, but uh, you may have a serious accident and be away from work for four weeks or more. So it allows for that. And the way it accrues is over the three-year cycle, you are allowed the equivalent of six times the number of days that you work in a week. So if you're a five-day-week worker, you're entitled to 30 days over a three-year cycle. In the first six months of employment, it accrues at the rate of one day for every 26 days worked. And in the first day, uh, first six months of your employment, you can't take more than you've accrued. Mm. But the minute you get past six months, then, in fact, the thing rolls over and you're immediately credited with the full amount of leave for that cycle, 30 days. Let's work with that example as opposed to someone who works more or less, but just scale it up or down proportionately. Mm. And then that's what you draw on. Once that is exhausted you are not entitled to be paid. Now, the tension with sick leave arises from this point simply, and that is that if the employee is away, they get paid. And the employer doesn't like this because the employer believes, rightly in some cases, that people take advantage of this. Mm. And the employer says, well, if I'm going to pay, I need proof that you're sick. On the other hand, the law says, well, hang on a sec. Now, sometimes you wake up, you've had a little too much the night before, you got a cold, you stay in bed for a day, you take some aspirins, you're fine. To compel an employee to go and see a doctor every single day that they're away or for one day uh, puts them to expense, to time and trouble. And so it says that for up to two days, you can be away without a certificate. But on the second day, going into the third, you have to bring a medical certificate 
as a requirement to be paid. And equally, if you don't bring one or your absence gets out of hand, the employer can still take disciplinary action. Mm. Now, the law again, and I mean, this is a very practical and quite subtle part of our law because it realizes the problems both from the employer and the employee's point of view. And it cottons on immediately to the nub of the issue. And that is simply this. The minute you have found a repeating pattern of absence, in other words, the absence becomes predictable. There are only two possible answers to that equation. The one is the person is chronically ill, and they're not going to get better because they've got a, a serious disease, and sadly it's going to you know, see them off, um, in which case you can terminate them for incapacity, which is a very gentle process, and you try and understand, be as human as you can. But if the absence is not chronic, then the only the other explanation is its abuse. Why? Because the incidence of sickness in humankind is a reasonably random variable. I mean, we all know, other than um, old Lionheart here, who's a robust figure of manhood, uh, put it away, Lionel, um, we all know that at some point in our lives we're probably going to be sick, but we don't know when, we don't know how, and we don't know for how long. Mm -hmm. But the minute I can say, hey, this guy is away every Monday or every Friday, and I can predict that, and I know there is no disease known to medical science called Monday and Friday-itis, which only strikes on those calendar days, I know this is abuse. Mm -hmm. Now, there are other telltales that give it away, but once you've found the pattern, if you're the employer, uh, then you're actually, you've got the quarry in sight, and now it's just a question of tracking them down and deciding, is this genuine? Can I assist this person, treat them kindly? They've given me long and good service. I'm not going to throw them out because they've got an awful disease. Or is this one of these ducking and diving, you know, thieving and skiving swine um, who are in it for what they can get? Mm. In which case I'm going to uh, uh, indicate to them that their time would be well spent if they spent lunchtimes at the photocopier working on their CV. Mm. So let's just uh, summarize that simply for the first um you said the first six months. Yeah, one what? day per completed 26. So effectively, you can say one day per month for the first six months. Yeah. Okay, so in month two, yeah. end of month two, you could have two days. Sorry, can you, in, in first day, day one, month one? Mm, nothing. Enti- nothing? Until you've done 26 days straight. Okay. Month two? At the end of the first 26 and the next 26, you get another day. If you've got 26 days, one day, but not enough for the next day, nada, nothing. Mm -hmm. Once you've, so in other words, you get 30 days for three years. Three years, yeah. If you've done 30 days in your first year, that's it. That's it. No more sick leave. No more sick leave. Doesn't matter what, doesn't matter what the cause is. Could be that, uh, you know, the world falls on your head or, you know, whatever it is. No, that's it. I mean, you can still be away because you're sick, but the employer is not compelled to pay. Mm -hmm. Lanju, you find that quite incredulous. Yes, yes, actually. What I, does the leave also include study leave and no no those are completely separate so in addition to sick leave you will get your annual leave which is 15 working days or 21 consecutive days you may get study leave that's not a legal requirement um, maternity leave is a legal requirement but that is not necessarily paid and the other statutory leave which cannot be denied is what is called family responsibility leave and you get 3 days of that in 
each year. It's not carrying over. So if your family don't all die in a terrible accident uh, in year one, you can't say, look, give me my three days and maybe I'll, they'll make it through the next year. Um, but that only kicks in after four months' employment. Sorry, does the law take into account, for example, let's say black people? Most of us were raised by our grandparents. Yeah. And you find that the grandparent become the mother role. Yes. So when she passes on, some law, f- uh, some firms don't necessarily yeah. agree that that's your yeah. immediate mother. Yeah. So as a result, how do you? Uh, yeah. How the, law, the law takes that into account, okay. and it says that for that kind of leave, it applies two up, two down. Um, and one to the side. So it's brothers, sisters, siblings, um, it's parents, grandparents, children, uh, and, and grandchildren. Other than that, so yes, it does take that into account as well. So aunts, uncles are not included in no, the equation? No, they would not be included. But you know, very often, um, the employer has a discretion. Okay. So you could say to the employer, look, this was my uncle, um, my father died, so he brought me up, yes. I'm really attached to him. And, you know, if, if you're a reasonable and honest employee, you don't have a track record of absence, most employers wouldn't want to penalize you. But what they do get annoyed with is the guys who've always got something going on. And then they turn around and say, well, look, just how many uncles have you got? Um, and the answer is pick a number. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk, sorry, you mentioned study leave, Lionel's studying. You said it's an, it's a, what at the uh, it's the employer's discretion there's no statutory provision for study um, is that something you negotiate before you commence employment or how does it work well very often employers will have a policy and they recognize that people study and the most frequent policy is you can have three days the day or two days before the exam and the day of the exam up to a fixed number of subjects a year. Mm-hmm. So you can't enroll for 500 subjects and take the next two days, two years off. Yes. Um, so usually the employer will have a policy in that regard. If you are employed by someone who's, who's not a big employer with, uh, uh, and of course a big employer is anyone who's taller than one meter. Um, <laughs> but if, if it's a small firm, then ask your employer. Um, but he's not compelled to give it to you. How much do you get, Lines? I'm not quite sure. I'll yeah. actually go to HR tomorrow and find out. Okay. Because yeah. okay. I'm writing exams uh, this month. And okay. Now. Something that crops up, Andrew, is cosmetic surgery. Ah, yes. That's a yeah. lovely one, isn't yeah. it? I know. I wanted to get a nose job, but Murray and Roberts refused to quote. <laughs> they, they said it was too big. Yeah. <laughs> What's the answer to that one? Yeah. Um, on a narrow interpretation, this is of course one that always sticks up the employer's nose, so mm. to speak. Yeah. Uh, they say this is vanity, um, it's elective surgery, and why the hell should I pay for it? Now, in point of fact, what the law actually says is you're entitled to sick pay on any day on which you cannot attend work due to illness or injury. So would cosmetic surgery be illness or injury? Well, if you stick your hand in the mincing machine and they're rebuilding it, well, that's clearly injury. Yeah. If, on the other hand, it's illness, why are you ill? Well, my I need a boob job. Yes. Um, it wouldn't be hard for me to, to get a certificate from the boob surgeon saying mm. this is weighing on you know this lady's conscience she's got no self-confidence she's suicidal Mm. she's got to have a boob job this is a psychiatric or a psychological problem Mm -hmm. and this is again where the employer gets irate because the employer believes 
that every doctor is a rogue, a liar, a cheat, and a swindler, mm-hmm. and is in league with these employees who are exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, and this is the rub, once the employee brings a certificate signed by the doctor, the employer has no choice. It has to pay. Oh, really? And the employer says, can't this doctor see? This person is a, a lame, lazy, mental dwarf. They're an idiot. They are of, of no use to anyone. And now I've got to pay them. Yeah. Uh, and that's why they get annoyed. But equally, the, and the interesting thing here is that the Act tells us what a medical certificate is and what it isn't. Yeah. And, of course, that leads to a whole load of other discussions. Well, let's talk about okay, that. By yeah. all means. Yeah. I, I have a medical certificate here. so uh, um, You can buy them a dime a dozen. Well, they're not quite a dime a dozen. If you listen to the stock exchange closing price at the end of the day, they'll tell you, you know, where medical certificates closed on the Wadeville Exchange after a brisk day's trading. On the Hillbrow Exchange. That's right, yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's talk about what right. does the law require when it comes to medical okay. certificate, yeah. It's, it's got a number of things. The most important is that it's got to be issued by someone who is recognized as being competent to diagnose and treat. Mm-hmm. Now, what does that mean? It is not limited only to medical doctors. You know, in the old days, it was someone with an MBBCH. Mm-hmm. So that was a doctor, a dentist, or a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, we have a much wider view, and there are many... Uh, allied health professions. I mean, there are um, psychologists, there are occupational therapists, there are uh, naturopaths, there are homeopaths, there are psychopaths. Uh, you <laughs> name it, there are all kind of paths out what there. What about Sangomas? <laughs> ah, well, that is a good question. I'll return to it because there's a lot of confusion about that. But effectively, what the BCEA says is if you are a member of a professional body, registered in terms of the Health Professions Act, Mm. and that body has licensed you or registered you to diagnose and treat, then you may give a medical certificate. So it's not in the business of regulating it. Uh, It says if there is a professional body and the concern there is, A, that the qualifications are looked after, and B, there's an ethics and disciplinary committee, if you belong to one of those, it's registered under the Health Professions Act, then those people can do so. Now, Lyons, to come back to your question, what about the Sangomas? Obviously, if you said, I will not accept a traditional healer or Sangomas certificate, that would equate to unfair discrimination based on culture, belief, and heritage, which, of course, is against the Constitution. But up until this point, the Sangomas have not yet managed to get their act together and to organize themselves as a professional body and register that. And so right now, although there are a number of organizations knocking around that purport to be, and they have their own, you know, practice numbers. Here I am, Herbert Sangoma, member of the Herbert Sangoma (laughs) Association, (laughs) membership number Herbert Sangoma 1. So, but when they do meet that requirement, then yes, they will absolutely be able to do that. Now, there's some confusing case law around that. Not that the case law is confusing. It's not. Um, but the people who report on these things in the public newspaper usually don't read the cases. They wouldn't understand them if they did. They grab what they think it's saying, um, and they then say the employer's now got to accept Sangoma certificates. There's a case. Uh, um, it was a sort of kind of Lani B&B, not far from the here. Kiva. But uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. And they got it completely wrong. Mm. So the situation right now is, no, 
you don't have to accept them. But again, mm-hmm. um, many employers are understanding, and I'll tell you a story in that regard in a moment. Mm-hmm. Many employers are understanding, and equally, going back a long way, a number of the trade unions in the early days negotiated what they called traditional healer or sangoma um, agreements, whereby they would accept them under certain circumstances. Mm-hmm. And the story I was going to tell you was that I think I was the first arbitrator in the history of South Africa um, to accept what I called the Sangoma defense. This guy uh, was away from work for a couple of weeks, and uh, he came back with um, a story that uh, his wife was having it off with another bloke, and they went to a Sangoma, and they put a spell on him, um, and he felt this tremendous urge to kill himself. He tried to jump off a tall building in Germiston. He tried to to drown himself in Boxburg Lake. Um, He threw himself in front of a truck on the R26, and finally, as the pierced the resistance, he flung himself in front of a train at Germiston Station, <laughs> but every single time the spirit of his grandfather appeared and saved him from oh, certain right. death, yes. uh, they fired him, and yeah. um, it went to arbitration. I was appointed. I mean, in those days, I did a lot of private arbitration. Uh, can I mention the union and the employer? It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the union was Food and Allied Workers Union, FAWU. Um, the employer, interestingly enough, was SA Breweries, yeah. um, and I reinstated him yeah. because I accepted the belief or the uh, defense that I was bewitched and um, interestingly enough that you was, were bewitched as well oh, I obviously was <laughs> yeah. it's also just in passing was the last uh, arbitration I ever did for <laughs> <Saint> Brewery, so. <laughs> Um, but uh, you should yeah. tell it the way it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So there we are. Yeah. So um, if someone comes with a right now, yeah, if I think the understanding by employers mm. is if they bring it to a traditional healer certificate, yeah. it's as good as a medical yeah. certificate. No, but it's, it's not. No, it's not. According to no, it's not. Mm. Yeah. And you know, if you look at the medical certificate as well, and this would apply to a, a traditional healer certificate, um, it's got to do a number of other things. So it's got to firstly state. The name, the qualifications, the practice number, and a contact detail for the person issuing it. Mm-hmm. So it can be followed up. The next thing it's got to say is words to the effect of, I have examined and I find. So in other words, here I am. This is my name. This is my qualification. This is my professional body. I have examined this person and this is my professional opinion. Now you don't have to say he is suffering from tertiary leprosy. Um, and you know, every time he plays poker, he throws his hand in. Um, you, you can just simply say he's got a medical condition. Also yes. drives the employers mad, yes. but that's it. But provided it meets those requirements, then the employer's got to pay. Now, of course, not every doctor is a rogue. And you've got to understand the doctor's point of view. He knows there's nothing wrong with this guy. But in point of fact, if he goes to the guy next door, he's going to give it to him. I got to pay the, you know, the, uh, the lease on the Mercedes Benz this week and the private schools for kids. And my wife wants a new set of Gucci sunglasses. So <laughs> I might as well give him the certificate. Yeah. And what they will often do is to say this employer or the employee tells me or as I am informed. Uh-huh. And what that is, is just shorthand to the employer. That is not a medical certificate. Mm-hmm. He's saying, well, I've examined him. I find absolutely nothing wrong, but, but this says, is what he tells me. Yes. And on that basis, not only do you not pay, mm-hmm. but you start inching down towards disciplinary action. You know, we have a, a folder at home 
of funny medical certificates. We we love them. Mm-hmm. I mean, for example, there's the the, the one um, which is issued by a traditional healer, which says he is suffering from headaches. Underneath it says he is thinking too much. Um, <laughs> But the best one I ever saw was the employee who went to a medical doctor who gave them a certificate. And the certificate he handed to the employer in good faith, and the certificate read, there is nothing wrong with him. He comes to me every Monday morning. He is just hung over. <laughs> Love it. A sad story. You know, yeah. you put your faith in a doctor and that's what he does to you. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah, absolutely. Andrew, let's take a yeah. question from a legal talk okay. a poster. It's from Angelique. She says, if one doesn't have a medical aid and, and can only visit a free government clinic mm. where you're only seen by a nurse, mm. is that good enough? If no, a, no, no, that is not a medical certificate. Yeah. Now, again, you know, like uh, when I lecture to students or teach I always start off by saying the correct answer to any question in labor law is always it depends okay now that is not a medical but where does someone in the rural area well this is what I'm coming to Um, now if you go into the rural areas uh, and let's take northern Natal you work in forestry Mm. you're 25 miles or k's from the nearest town Mm. you're going to have to pay bus fare you're going to have to go to the doctor etc etc now normally under those circumstances you would say uh, employer understand mm-hmm. the second thing of course is that in those circumstances there is almost always a clinic yes. because that's the primary means of healthcare delivery in these areas mm-hmm. but secondly the employers usually work in close association with the clinic mm-hmm. so they would know okay he went to the clinic let's take it at face value and i normally would say to the employer give the employee the benefit of the doubt Take it at face value because they may well be sick. Mm-hmm. But if they are not sick, what I promise you mm-hmm. is the pattern will emerge. Yes. So stay off. Mm-hmm. And when you see a pattern, smite them with the boot of righteousness, nay, in a soft spot <laughs> unto the third and fourth generations thereof. <laughs> but until then, give them the benefit of the doubt. Yes. But uh, that, you know, the things, although nurses are registered with a professional organization. They are not certified to diagnose and treat. Mm. So until that happens, no, that's not a medical Someone replied to that one was Nompumelelo. She says nurses can only give a sick note for the day you visited and not for future. You can't say he'll be awful tomorrow as well. No, that's that's incorrect. Yeah. All or incorrect. The, the only thing an attendance note at the clinic is is saying he was here. And, in fact, he may not have been because you can knock these things off yourself on your printer. Mm. I mean, we got a wonderful one. It's also in our file of uh, medical certificates. a lovely story. Uh, he's one of these young guys with a ponytail. It's probably his first job. He's a techie, mm. and he disappears for two weeks. And he comes back, and he gives the employer a proper medical certificate, um, and it's got the name of a doctor on, and it's got the number and all of these things. Um, and it says, uh, so-and-so was away. Um, he was suffering from pneumonia, spelt N-U-M-O-N-I-A. Uh. And the employer said, look, okay, well, I'm pleased you're better. Uh, get back to work. Yes. What he then does is he, he got picks it from up. from maybe. Yes, yes. Yeah, well, we're all suffering from pneumonia on that basis. <laughs> uh. So the employer picks up the phone. He phones it, and it is a real-life medical practice. Yes. And he says, uh, look, I've, I've got this thing. Mm. And the chef says, look. Um, one thing I can assure you, our doctor knows how to spell pneumonia. Mm. He jumps in his car, he goes down, he shows it to the doctor. The doctor says, 
No, this is our address, it's our number, etc., etc. He's not on our files, I never saw him. Mm. And this, of course, leads to Levy's first law of medical certificates. If you want to be a doctor, learn how to spell. Mm. Uh, and I, I rather think the employer um, was... You know, understanding in this one, he could have fired him yeah. on the turn. Yeah. Disciplinary hearing, he said, look, you're young. Uh, this is your first job. You don't want to do this kind of thing. It's mm. going to blight you. I don't want to have to fire you. So why don't you just gallop off into the sunset mm. and don't do this again? Your next employer might not have a sense of humor. He has a silly one, Andrew, from Dan. He says, is a sick note from my pastor acceptable? Well, you know, if you want to get into the kingdom of heaven uh, and you want to be a sinner, uh, well, maybe he can give you a clean bill of health in that regard. Uh, but no, absolutely not. He can talk about your uh, your spirit and your soul, perhaps, but he can't talk about your health. No. What about for something from Zanelle? If my baby's sick, yes. What's how much leave yeah. can I have? Yeah. That falls under family responsibility leave, mm-hmm. so you can get up to three days. And and it specifically says when a child is ill. Now, what it doesn't uh, require in that case is a medical certificate. Though the employee's word, my child is sick, is regarded as being good enough. Now, the employer could say, can you give me some indication that your child was ill? Mm. Did you go to the chemist? Have you got a receipt? Did you get uh, uh, medicine? Did you go to the clinic? Mm. Uh, But up to those three days, there's probably very little they can do. Mm -hmm. Other than it was a wonderful, wonderful case. Um, It was a woman. She was in her, uh, probably her mid-50s. Um, and she claimed family responsibility leave because her child was ill. Um, and the employer said, no, you can't have it. She then walked out, claimed constructive dismissal, mm-hmm. which she lost hands down mm. um, for obvious reasons. But on digging around a bit, um, her child was ill. It merely transpired, however, that her child was, was a old. daughter, yes, <laughs> of 35, who was having elective surgery. <laughs> so, uh, there yeah. you go. But, yeah. yeah, that comes under family responsibility. Here's a good one, Andrew. Is an employee obliged to provide specific information about their condition? You have no. to go and say, listen, I'm HIV positive. No, no. no. And that's really the reason. So what it's, goes in the medical yeah, certificate? What yeah. the doctor says, because of medical confidentiality, because of the stigmatism around, and, and this emerged out of the HIV AIDS thing, the doctor will simply say medical condition. Now, that is not a uh, a stopper. It doesn't trump everything because there's always um, a riposte from the employer. So the employer can turn around and say, well, okay, I don't know what's wrong with you, but there are safety issues in the area that you work. Let's mm-hmm. say you're working on a building site, you're working up a scaffolding. How do I know that you're not having fits or seizures or whatever? Mm-hmm. So go back to your doctor and give me a letter from the doctor saying, even though I won't tell you what it is, he's fit to do his job. Mm-hmm. At which point, of course, the employee, the doctor usually bails out. Mm. The other thing you can do, uh, and there's lovely case law around this, is you can say to the employee, I want you to go and see a doctor that the company will select. Now, the way in which you do it, you don't say, it's that doctor. You give them a list, mm-hmm. doctors in the air, choose anyone you want. You go in company time, we'll pay for you, we'll maybe provide transport for you, mm. but you go and he see. He has to go? He has to go, yeah. although, again, if he refuses, um, yeah. without good cause. 
you may terminate. We've now got case law on that. Okay, that's good. And, you know, normally find that people who are uh, skiving like this suddenly become the last freewheeling bastion (laughs) of constitutional protection. Why won't you go, my constitutional (laughs) rights? Then you know. Yeah, then you know. Then you yeah. know. So, okay, just write down here okay. which right you're referring to, why mm. you won't do it, what the circumstances are, um, and uh, I, I'll, I'll take mm. it on This that is great basis. advice, that one. Oh, yes. Send mm. him to your own doctor. I mean, it yeah. costs you 500 rand or whatever. It, what a pleasure. To determine yeah. if there is illness yeah. or not. Does this, what happens if there's a depressed employee? Is oh, it, there's a lot of that around now, and that's mm. very, very difficult because, you know, the employee says, oh, I'm depressed. Mm. Now, I mean, depression is, is, mental illness and mental illness is no different to any other form of illness the difficulty with depression is that so often it is linked to what you do Mm. Um, work plays a part Mm. in it and of course the more you are compelled to come to work and be there the more depressed you get and generally speaking if you're depressed you'll be getting assistance from a psychologist and whilst psychologists are quite able to issue medical certificates they're quite qualified they normally aren't able to say and you will be cured on the 3rd of July Mm. coming back to work I can't tell you and under those circumstances it becomes very difficult for the employer but there is a belief out there which needs to be put to rest, which is completely wrong, and that is employees believe that provided you've got a medical certificate, you cannot be fired. No, not true. Mm-hmm. And secondly, if you've still got sick leave owing to you, you can't be fired. No, not true. Mm-hmm. You can be fired any time if the circumstances mm-hmm. are, this is great. are yeah, right. This yeah, is, no, this is well, it's not so great no, getting employee, fired. But, no, but for uh, employers… Yeah. Yeah, and the employees got to watch out. Yeah, absolutely. What about bipolar? Yeah, yeah. Um, Bipolar is a a disease like any other. Uh, And again, you've just got to balance it. Now, if this is someone who is dealing with the clients and and the public and every now and again for no known reason, they they leap over the counter and throttle a client – um, you know, if they ask for, you know, sauce with their, uh, with their hamburger, you've got to say, is there a job I can put them in which they could do? But at the end of the day, if the employer cannot accommodate the disability, then the employer is entitled to terminate. So it would be the same as someone who, God forbid, is in a terrible motor accident. They become a quadriplegic. Um, there's really nothing you can do with them. But where it's a genuine case like that, you would try and deal with it with as much sympathy as you would. I mean, I always say to employers, you know, why would you want to penalize a good, hardworking, loyal employee who does their best Mm. just because they're ill? But on the other hand, if this is a, a, a liar, a lazy employee, gives you nothing but trouble and is taking a chance, then in point of fact, why should they get Yeah. Andrew, uh, one of the questions we asked is, what happens if an employee becomes ill on annual leave? Nice question, because Mm. employers get this one wrong. Mm. Now, you know, what the law says in terms of annual leave, it says that you are entitled to your annual leave. Right. In terms of sick leave, it then says you are entitled to sick leave on any day on which you worked or were entitled to be paid. Mm -hmm. Now, on annual leave, you're not working, but you are entitled to be paid. Therefore, if you become ill on annual leave, credit, sick leave, debit, 
annual leave. Okay, mm. got it. So yeah. it's it's quite straightforward. And the employers are well, it's just too bad. It's one. Of, it's, no, it's not one of those things. Mm. But we, you know, have certain guards or provisos or safe uh, safeguards around that point. Um, and and in reality, an employee could only get two extra days before you could demand a medical certificate. And if you got a pattern every time they went on leave, well, it may only happen once a year, but there's your pattern. You can act on it. But it's quite clear. Um, your sick leave is for when you're ill. Yes. Uh, and you can't be paid, even though you're entitled to be paid, whether you're at work or not. Mm. Why should you be penalized? You still have your annual leave. That's for you to... Rest and recuperate. Sick leave is because when you're too ill. Good. So that's clear. What happens uh, to you or the employee, if you're the employer, if he's too sick to come to work to attend his own hearing on absenteeism? Yes. Well, I mean, this is <laughs> this, this happens happened. a lot, doesn't uh, it? It does. Yeah, it certainly yeah. did. And yeah. uh, you know, many years ago, I was uh, uh, when I first started out, I was working in England. Um, and I, I had the reputation as being the, the man who fired Vidler. Mr. Vidler was a fellow at uh, um, the plant where I worked for, at Dagenham, and no one had ever seen him. He was always away, and he was always coming to work, but something terrible befell him as he was, you know, about to leave his front door. Mm. He tripped over the hose pipe. Uh, an eagle was flying overhead with a tortoise in its claws. There was a <laughs> lightning bolt. It got a fright. It dropped the tortoise. It fell on his head. He couldn't come to work. And finally, I took, if Vidler wouldn't come to the hearing, the hearing would go to Vidler. So I took a bridge table, and off I went to Vidler's house and fired him then and there. Um, but in reality, um, our law, and in this regard, our lawmakers were good. The BCEA is very good here. And there doesn't have to be a hearing necessarily. And the hearing could take place via correspondence. Now, effectively, what the law says is before the employer terminates for ill health or incapacity, let's stick with ill health. It's what we're talking about today. It's basically got to ask four questions. You may say, what are the four questions? Why is this employee different from all other? The four questions are, what is the nature of the illness? What is the prospect of recovery? When will you return to work? And will you be able to do your job when you come back? Mm-hmm. And based on the balance of those answers, you make a decision from the point of view of my operation. I can't run a business if I don't know who's here, who's mm-hmm. not here, when they're coming back, how I allocate the work, whether they'll do their job. So what I do is I send them a letter and I say, please answer these questions. And based on that, I will reach a decision. Ask your doctor to help you if needs be, um, but answer me don't get an answer you terminate them if you do get an answer but the answer is vague you terminate them if you get an answer and the answer is such that you can genuinely say well i i got to get the job done i can't operate on this basis you terminate them if the answer is such look this is what it is i'm going to be back soon i will be able to do my job then okay we'll muck on for another week and we look forward to seeing you again Mm. so it gives you all the tools. What it doesn't give you uh, is intelligence and the ability to use common sense. Uh, labor law is just common sense. Well, not always. No, well, as yeah. somebody said. That's why uh, we need people like you, it's, Andrew. Yeah, it's not always common and it doesn't always make sense. <laughs> when I opened the show, I, I mentioned that uh, the employees who claim to be sick and then you see them out and about with a smile on their face. I played uh, Monty Python. I, Always keep I, it I, right. I, yeah. I heard Monty Python, and yeah. I knew it was Monty Python. I wanted to ask you, did you select the yes, music? I did, yes. That was it's, lovely. That yeah. was nice, nice opening. Yeah. I, I knew you'd appreciate mm. it because mm. 
You were schooled in, in the UK, weren't you? you I was at university in the UK. Yeah. You're, a, uh, you're a professor, degree. aren't you, Andrew? Uh, something yeah. like that, but I only yeah. use that for doctors who are arrogant <laughs> uh, or for maitre d's if you want to get a good table. So, no, I don't, I don't do all these okay. things. Sure. Um, yeah, I did my first degrees here and then I did uh, postgraduate work in the UK. In Leeds, I think you were. Yeah, there. I was there amongst others, yeah. We're Leeds, Wormwood Scrubs, so on and so on. Yeah, Leeds United, fourth generation supporter. Mm. Wow. Okay, yeah. so you see the, the sick guy out and about and he's got a smile on his yes. face. What do you do with this guy? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, you may be very clever and you uh, may kind of follow him just to see what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may take a little picture with your cell phone mm-hmm. uh, and when he comes back, uh, you say, oh, gee, where are you? What was wrong? Uh, oh, I was very sick. I had Hoskin Schlatter's disease. <laughs> um, I'll tell you about Hoskin Schlatter's disease. Yeah. Um, when I was at school, I didn't want to run cross countries or anything like that. Mm. I always used to forge my own medical certificates. You say, you know, Andrew can't do sport today. He's suffering from Hoskin Schlatter's disease. <laughs> and I'd forge my mother's. And the doctor, teachers would look at it. Never heard of Hoskin Schlatter, but it sounds terrible. It sounds good. Yeah. Awful. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, but in any event, and you then call him in and you let him give you his story yeah. and you then confront him. With the evidence, this is what I saw. Now, I mean, there are many spins on this. I remember a case in uh, Cape Town. A guy was a reasonably senior manager, uh, and believe it or not, the Argus was coming up in a week or so. He wasn't at work. The employer's going down some road in Claremont or wherever it is, and lo and behold, he sees his uh, employee pedaling past at great speed on his bike with his Lycra shorts on and his little cardboard helmet on and uh, all of the gear. Um, and uh, there's a medical certificate to say he was away. Mm-hmm. Employer calls him in, and uh, what was uh, uh, the story? Now I was ill. Here it is. But you were out on your bike. Now I was going to the chemist to get my medicine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah? yeah. Okay. No, good Tell enough. me another yeah, one. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, yeah. what you never do is let the employee make it your problem. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to prove that you weren't sick. This is what a lot of employees don't understand, and yeah. more employers don't the understand. The onus is on the employee. I don't have yeah. to prove that you're not sick. I've just got to prove you're not here, uh, mm. and you've then got to satisfy me yeah. what the reasons were. Wow. Excellent. And, uh, yeah. yeah. What, what do you do when you find out that an employee has actually falsified or bought oh, a false yeah. certificate? Yeah. As, uh, well, the falsification, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that is an utterly different ballgame. That's fraud. That is serious misconduct, and they get fired first time out for that. There's no question about that. So that's absolutely key, and I would advise any employee out there not to do that. There are numerous scams around the selling of employment certificates. And again, I once did an arbitration on one of these, which was a lovely story, um, someone in the pay office finds out that, strangely enough, all the guys with repetitive absence bring medical certificates from the, the same, same medical doctor. practice. Oh. So the pay clerk picks this up and actually gets in the car, goes to the address, and sees that it's a crummy building opposite the station in Benoni. There's no sign of a doctor's pluck or anything like that on the door and comes back. Now, what the employer then does is he gets a PI, a private investigator, and he sends the PI there. The PI goes up to the first floor, knocks. He comes in. Into this room, there are just two tables. That's all, plastic chairs, nothing else, no signs of an examination table, medical paraphernalia, not even a chart of a skeleton on the wall. And... um 
uh, says to the uh, uh, one of the ladies sitting behind it, there were two of them, uh, look, I've been away, I'm going to get in trouble at work. Uh, she said, don't worry, I can let you have a medical certificate, it'll cost you 50 rand, um, but what I'll do, I'll say you were wow. suffering from diarrhea and back pain, because yeah. it always looks better if you've got two things. Yeah. He said, thank you very much, here's the 50 rand, and came back and reported. 50 rand each or just 50, 50 rand? 50 rand for the consultation, this wow. is a specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, the employer um, then hauled this person in, uh, terminated them, and then went back into their records of the last 12 months and fired everybody who had issued certificates from the same doctor. And the point of the arbitration was, you didn't fire us at the time, so you can't fire us now. What was interesting um, was that the PI reported that, in fact, business was so good that these two women had done what any decent entrepreneur would do. They'd see it was a, a good business, so in fact they opened a branch. The mornings they were in Benoni, in the afternoons they went to the Kempton Park branch. <laughs> yeah. So um, be careful if you do that. Andrew, well. should a company set, uh, set their own policy for leave and uh, leave and absence and that? Should they have their own company yeah, policy? They should certainly have a policy. Yeah. Now remember, your policy can't be worse off. It can't be less favorable than the BCEA. Mm. So the BCEA says you don't bring medical certificates for first two days. You can't say you bring it every day. What should a company policy contain, more or less? Generally speaking, it should contain a number of things. The first is it should explain clearly what is and what isn't a medical certificate. So the employee knows. Mm. And if the employee brings them something funny, well, why did you do it? Mm. It should also have a call-in policy, which is, look, if you're not coming to work on this day, you need to contact us some way or another, within half an hour, an hour of work starting, you need to let us know. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It needs to provide for what we call return to work interviews. Mm. So whoever's been away, make it a point that when they come back, the supervisor will call them, not on the line, not in the open plan, call them into the office and say, where were you? Where's your certificate? Are you okay? We were worried about you. If it's a good employee, they'll be very happy to know that the employer noticed when they're not there and appreciates it. They're not a good employee. They'll say, they'll know, I'm being watched. I better be a little careful around there. So yeah. those are some I of the I think a lot of people things. are scared to call the employees in because they think they're not allowed to confront them, but yeah, they should. They, yeah. they are. Yeah. should also have a provision that you can refer them for a second opinion to a company nominated doctor yes. and that their unreasonable refusal could lend uh, to uh, dismissal. It also needs to cover that where they have undisclosed medical conditions, but these could affect the safety, health and welfare of the employee and the public and or the employer's liability uh, that special provisions apply. So mm-hmm. those are the kinds of things there. The other thing that the employer really needs to do their pay office, their HR office, is get monthly printouts for the pattern. Uh, because I promise you, uh, just as the saying is absolutely true, where there's a will, there's a relative. <laughs> where there's abuse of sick leave, there is a pattern. Mm. And the patterns are Monday, Friday, the day after payday, the day before or after a public holiday, and the long weekends. Mm. Or just a pattern. The other one is where the employee 
keeps on getting all these trivial things, but they see a different doctor every time, mm-hmm. which indicates the doctor says, don't come here anymore. There's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. So they find someone else. Those are all the giveaways. And those are the things that should be covered in the policy. Wow. Andrew, we've given our listeners a taste of Andrew Levy. Have we not? You yes. are running uh, <laughs> seminars very soon we, we, on this yeah. very subject. We are. Uh, tell us about it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's a perennial because as long as you've got two employees, you've got one employee who's abusing sick leave uh, <laughs> and it's driving you mad. So. Yeah. We put together. Sorry, this can apply to domestics as well. This this entire discussion. It it can apply to domestics, but you know, very often because of the much closer relationship, you're aware of your domestic. You can see if your domestic's got a cold or a sniffle or whatever Mm. it is, and you know, generally you you hopefully don't run a domestic relationships the way you do uh, a mine with uh, fifteen thousand employees. Mm. Hopefully, there's much more give and take and good faith, Mm. but it does apply in that sense. So we look at the most frequent frequently occurring issues around the abuse of sick leave, around the management of the abuse of sick leave. We do it in the morning, um, and uh, generally speaking, uh, it's the kind of problem which requires constant, constant vigilance. And you watch it, uh, and people know you're watching it and improve, uh, but within 12 to 15 months, it'll deteriorate again. Your mind's on something else, and then you've got to move in and uh, uh, just fire one or two people just to remind them that this is something that uh, uh, the employer – and, you know, if you look at it from the employee's point of view and you say, wait a minute, employee, just understand, you have sold your employer your labor for that day, mm. and you're always there demanding your rights and your contract and this, that, and the other – You are breaching your contract. You've sold it to him. You said, I will bring you my labor potential. I'll do what you say. And now you are not only not doing that, but you're lying as well. And you're taking payment to which you're not entitled. Just think about that and think about how your conscience feels Mm. on that. And most employees say, oh, my conscience feels great. I'll do it again tomorrow. So, (laughs) you know, what can you say? Okay. um, Your seminars, you were telling us, when is that taking place? Uh, I think we're in Johannesburg on the 28th or 29th of this month, yeah. and I think we're in Durban on the uh, the next day. Mm. Um, so we'd be very happy to see you there. AndrewLevy.co.za. Um, AndrewLevy.co.za. Um, yeah. I can give a number if you want one. No, I think no, you don't. We'll okay. AndrewLevy.ca.co.za or or Cecilia, who does our bookings, at Cecilia at AndrewLevy. .co.za mm. and furthermore uh, if employees come you're welcome um, it's really aimed at employers but if you're there employees uh, at tea time I do have a small booth where I sell medical certificates so <laughs> you'll, you'll be welcome it's included in the price uh, included in the price and uh, Lions you can have two just for you know being terrific yeah. <laughs> you've been terrific it's been an absolute treat and a pleasure as always I've attended many of your seminars I've loved them I've learned a lot and uh, many thanks for joining us well, the, uh, thank you, Gary. The, the and fabulous it's, it's Andrew been, Levy, yes. Well, look, I know, you, it sounds like Andrew? my mother writes your scripts <laughs> in terms of it's me. True, but it's all all true, I can I say it. is that, one, it's such great fun to be in a studio again. Yes. But, B, you know, it's moved on since me and Marconi were, you know, lighties. <laughs> and, I mean, this is absolutely amazing. There's no transmitter. There's no... Complaints Commission. I mean, otherwise I've been shut down within seconds. So and there I, are all yeah. these people out there... Yeah. You mark my words, Lions. This internet thing's gonna be the next big thing. It's gonna catch on. Oh, no, uh, I can, I can assure you. No, Good. it's certainly. Well, from, from, from your sp- mouth, Andrew. How, how yeah. do you spell Andrew Lever for those people who just wanna uh, go yeah, on to? Yeah, Andrew Levy. Yeah, Andrew, A-N-D-R-E-W, new word, 
L-E-V-Y, L-E-V-Y. Don't you forget it. All checks and unmarked <laughs> postal orders. Uh, thank you. Yeah, Andrew Levy, you'll okay. find us. Well, we're yeah. out of here to our listeners. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you, Lionel. Thank it's you. been a great show. Pleasure, pleasure, We'll pleasure. see you next Tuesday. Yes. Cheers. This is CliffCentral.com.